because there is usually in a crowd this size, there's always somebody that has never really stepped across the line and said yes to Jesus. Uh, and it is. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How many is all? All. Everybody. We've all fallen short of the, of the glory. We've, we can't attain it in our own strength and our own works. I know a lot of people think, well, if I get my life straightened out, then I'll give my life to Christ. That's like going to the river and throwing in a rod and reel and catching a cleaned fish. It just doesn't happen. And the fish have got to be cleaned after they're caught. Uh, so when you come to the kingdom, you come in with all of the scales and all the muck and all that. You come in and he, clean, he cleans you. And then he continues the process the rest of your life. Uh, the Bible says we're washed by the water of the word. So there's a continual process of us getting more and more, getting closer to Christ, looking more and more like Jesus than we used to look like ourselves. How many of you look better now than you used to look when you were living for the devil? Amen? Okay. You smell better, too. Y'all glad you're in God's house today? Let's say, hook them horns. No, don't do that. Well, Ron talks about the cowboys. I'm going to talk about the longhorns. I send a lot of money to that university, so I can root for them. I didn't play. I didn't go there, but do what? Go Aggies. All right. Whatever. Whatever. Okay. They're already having a good season. They didn't need a little encouragement like the longhorns. They need a lot of encouragement. Uh, you know that the metaphors of teams and and, and family of, of God they they really work a lot. You know the way they have the hierarchy with with teams and coaches and players and it really works good when you're teaching, especially if people that like sports. But if you don't like sports, people are going, I don't want to hear about sports this week. I want to hear about Jesus. So we're going to talk about Jesus. All right. So if you have your Bibles, <laughs> Amen. Turn to Philippians chapter one. Before we go there, I want to just share with you what we've been talking about. If you're if you first time here, you missed last week, we started a new series called Stand. And last week was Stand Strong, and we talked about putting on the armor of God. We, we stayed in Ephesians 6 and talked about how we put on the armor, we take up our weapons, and then we pray, and then we stand. And the Bible says, after having done all to stand, not to run, but to stand. And so this morning, we're going to talk about how we stand, not just stand strong, but how we stand together. Say, stand together. You see, we are really like an army. The body of Christ is like an army, and, and I, I, I kind of fashion it like this, that we are a battalion here, and there are battalions all over the city, okay? There are lots of more battalions, or whatever you want to call them in the military. There are different groups of them all over this city, all over this st- county, all over this state, all over this country, all over the world. When you think about it like that, it's kind of cool, isn't it? We've got all these battalions, and we're all getting trained, but we're the, the Bible says we're all supposed to be trained together like an army. And even when Paul was writing his, his spiritual son, Timothy, he said this in 2 Timothy 2. You, therefore, my son, Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So he was saying, I want, I'm going to train you, Timothy, and I want you to train others. That's how it works. It's, it's, uh, it, it's the trickle-down theory, so to speak. We're training. I'm training. You're going to be training, and we're going to continue to grow as an army. He said, "There, you therefore must endure hardship as a what? Good soldier of, of Jesus. You're going to have to endure hardship. A soldier has to endure hardship, don't they? Even through, uh, through uh, boot camp, they have to endure hardship. 
when they go out into the field, they endure hardship. They're placed in, in harm's way. They're placed in, in difficult situations. Well, guess what? As children of Christ, as children of the King, we are also placed in difficult situations. We're sometimes in harm's way. That's why we have to be, as soldiers, have the, ar- the armor of God on, the whole armor of God, not just pieces of it. All the armor. We need to know our weapons. We, know the need, we need to know the weapons of our warfare are, are not carnal, but they're mighty in God through the pulling down of strongholds. And we need to know how to pray. Not just to pray the nice, nice neat God is great, God, God is good prayers, but we need to pray in, in, supplic- in supplication. We need to know how to do warfare prayers in the Spirit. We need to, ha- we need to know how to stay on our knees and, and see what God wants to do in us, in our lives, and through the life of this body of believers. So today we're going to be talking about not only standing as a, as an ar- as a, a soldier in the body of Christ, but we're going, to stop, we're going to talk about standing together as the body of Christ. Because, listen, one of us can't do it by ourselves. We need each other. Look at your neighbor right now. Don't look at me and say, I need you. And you need me. I said that in the first service. I said, say this to your neighbor. And they all looked right at me and said it. I said, no, no, look at each other. So you see, look at each other. And I said, man, we need each other. Look at each other. Come on. Gabriel, okay, look at you. We need each other. I need y'all. Boy, I do need y'all. Yeah, for sure. So we're going to look at Philippians 1, one of the most positive books in all the Bible. If you really want to direct somebody to get an uplifting uh, uh, message, just tell them to go to read the book of Philippians that Paul wrote from where? Where do you write this from? Prison. Okay. This is the, the, the book that talks more about joy than any other book in the Bible. The joy of the, he talks about rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say what? Rejoice. He wrote this from prison, Misha. Man, he's writing this letter. He's in chains, and, and he's, he can't go but at certain distances. And he has, but listen, he was, he was full of joy because his circumstances didn't dictate his joy. Y'all get that? His circumstances, our circumstances shouldn't dictate our joy, church. And he says this. He's, he's writing to this church. Now, listen, he's already dealt with churches before that were fragmented, that were divided. There was all sorts of, of, of worldly things going on in the church at Corinth. And he was writing these letters to this church that he had helped establish. And he was saying there was, there was chaos in the church. This is not one of those churches, but he didn't want them to become that church either. He wanted this church to excel. So he wrote this. He said, above all, verse 27, you must live as citizens of heaven. Citizens of heaven. Think about that. Conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Now, this is the New Living Translation. So I might be throwing some of you off, but the, we've got the, the translation I'm using is on the screen. You may be reading something else. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together. Say standing together. With one spirit, one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Okay, so he's saying, I'm here sometimes, I'm not here, I'm in prison now, but I want to hear when the word comes back about this church at Philippi, I want to know that you are standing together. I want to know that you're not divided. I want to know that you're standing in one mind, one spirit, one, because you have one purpose. Listen, it's so hard for us to stand together if we don't know what we're standing for. Jesus said it, he said it very well, and when he said that, a house divided against itself, that house cannot stand. He says, if you're divided, listen, churches divide over the silliest things, don't they? Man, they divide over the color of the carpet. 
They divide over what songs you sing. They, they'll, they'll bring in, I've known churches, they'll bring in new pastors. They'll give them six months, and if they're not the perfect pastor, they kick them out. They want to get another one in because they're looking for the perfect pastor. They divide over property. They divide over building projects. They divide over everything. And Paul says, I want you, but if you've got the same mind, if you've got the same purpose, and the same love is operating in you, listen, you will not be divided. We are a family that the enemy wants to divide. So we have to decide, what are we standing for? Are we going to stand together through adversity? He says, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I want to know that you're standing together. I want to know that you're of one spirit. I want to know that you're of one purpose. I want to know that you're fighting together for this. The good fight of faith is what we're called the fight, church, for the sake of the gospel, standing together, fighting together. That's how he wants us to live together and work together as the body of Christ. And then he says this. I want you to know that you can be bold before your adversaries. He says in verse 28, do not be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. Now, I want to, ex- I want to explain that scripture to you because a lot of people, what, what does that mean? Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. And how will this be a sign to them that are going to be destroyed, but you're going to be saved? Now, here's what I would like to tell you this morning as the church body. When we go through stuff, and we all go through stuff, say stuff. I know that's great English, isn't it? We just go through stuff. We go through all sorts of battles, don't we? It depends on how you respond to the battles. It's very important how you respond to the battles that you're facing as to what the world sees in you, okay? We are never to be intimidated by the enemy. We should never be intimidated by the tricks, the, ske- the schemes, and the deceit, and the lies of the enemy. Listen, if you don't have your armor on, if you don't have your mind covered, if you're not praying in the, in the Word, knowing the Word of God, listen, you can be deceived very quickly, and you can fall very quickly. And what will the, what will the, what will the world see? What will the enemy see when we cave and when the first sign of a problem comes? And there are Christians, and I think probably most all of us in this room have done that at one time or the other. Some calamity comes on our life, and instead of trusting God in the middle of the calamity, we're the, oh, God, you've left me. What's happened, God? You've, oh, I, can't, I can't make it through this. And we begin to show the world that our God's not very big. And we get intimidated by the enemy. enemy. We get intimidated by the intimidator. Right? And we, we throw up our hands. We go, well, he must be awful. We give the enemy so much. We give him so much power in our words. When he, get, he deserves nothing. He is a loser. He is a toothless lion. We're the only ones that give him teeth. Well, the enemy, I, I've heard people, well, the old enemy, he's just been beating me up one side and down the other. This week, he's just been having, he's having his way with me. Listen, if he's having his way with you, it's because you're allowing him to have his way with you. Don't be intimidated by the toothless threats of a liar. But listen, when people, when the world sees, when we react with faith, when we react with boldness in the Holy Spirit, and the world sees that will change their hearts, then they will know, listen, there's something going on in their life that I don't have. And they're going to recognize, unless they change, they're going to be destroyed. That's what that scripture means. Don't be intimidated by your enemies. And remember, if you can pinch it, it's not your enemy. And it squeals. 
you can pinch it and it squeals because it says flesh and blood is not our enemy. It's the spiritual attacks that come. So we have to be on guard against our adversaries and understand that we do not need to be intimidated by them. Now, the next scripture is, is another good one. I, I love this. I, there, there are times when I would read the scripture and I go, God, why didn't you just not put that part in there? I would have been great without that second part of that verse. First part of the bread I really did like. <laughs> Listen to what he says. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ. Now, that's a great privilege. Paul says, you've been given this gift. You've been given the, the gift of trusting in Christ. Isn't that good? Everybody like that? Are you awake? Okay. Cowboys don't play till 420, okay? Are you awake? There you go. But here's the second part of that verse. But also, he gives us the privilege of suffering for him. Wow, doesn't that sound great? I get to suffer for Jesus. Ah, it's a great privilege. That's just an honor. Listen, Paul thought it was an honor to suffer for Jesus. That word suffer there means persecution. He thought it was a joy because, listen, he said, what Jesus did for me, I want to I give back everything I can. If I've got, listen, when he was stoned and beaten outside this, and drug outside the city and left for dead in a trash heap, guess what he did when he got up? He went back to the city and preached some more. When they were told, throughout the scriptures, when people were told, the Christians that were on fire for Christ, they were told, don't do this. And, and God said, go back and do that. They went back and did it. They were, they, were, they were just ready and willing to suffer the persecution because they counted it a privilege to be even quoted alongside Jesus. That that's, a, that's, a, that's somebody that loves Jesus. And we, we look at persecution like, oh, no, I sure hope we don't have to go through that. Well, listen, you know what's happened to America because we haven't had persecution? We're the place we are today because we have not been persecuted. In the 50s, after World War II, man, America was on fire. Man, the church attendance was big. But then the 60s came, and the love generation moved in, and the hippie movement moved in. And then the 60s is when the prayer was taken out of our public schools, and the church said nothing. And the, and the, the country began to go down. And then in, 19, in the 70s, we had the, the next generation of people come along, and the church got weaker and weaker. And that was the, that was the decade where abortion was legalized. And from those two, time, those two times in our history in America, we have gone sliding, sliding down this slippery slope that's leading us in the church to an apathetic place. And I'm telling you, when persecution comes and we're not intimidated by the enemy and we begin to stand for truth, listen, we will count it a privilege to suffer for the cause of Christ. And if you're not ready for that, you need to get ready because that's when the church will flourish, like the church in China. When they say you cannot talk about Jesus, when they say you stop us, and the church is growing into the millions and millions and millions because they have to meet in secret, but they come together and they praise the name of Jesus. Listen, I'm telling you, persecution is not a bad thing if it will bring this country to its knees. It's not a bad thing. And I think that's why he said it's, it's a privilege. Count it as a privilege to suffer for him. And we're in this together, church. We're going to go through some things together, and we need to have each other's back. I love the scripture in 1 Corinthians 12. If you want to talk about unity, and there's a lot of passages I could have used about being together, but I, I love Philippians. But 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 25 said that there should be no division or schism in the body of Christ, but that the members should have the same care for one another. 
And if one member suffers, all the members suffer. That means, listen, we go through this together. If somebody's hurting, we can come alongside them and hurt with them, and we can hold them up together. Listen, this is not a Lone Ranger kind of thing. People that said, well, I'm gonna, I can just do my own thing. I don't need church. I don't need to be around a, guy, a bunch of hypocrites. I, I'll just do my own thing. I'm going to have my own ministry. I'm telling you what, that does not line up with the Word of God. It does not line up with the Word of God. If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. But he also says this, if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. We're in this together. The, the, the sports metaphor would be, listen, we win as a team and we lose as a team. Right? I love that when, when they interview these guys after a, a big win. Well, he, and they say, well it's, it's my teammates. The guy that wins the Heisman, if he's not giving glory to all of his teammates, most of his teammates probably don't want to be around him any longer. But they say, I couldn't have rushed for all those yards unless I had blockers in front of me or I got to hand the ball off to me, whatever the situation. But they also they will say, listen, when they want to start pointing fingers at a, at a teammate, this is the reason we lost the game because he missed the field goal or he did that. Listen, a real good teammate, teammate will say, listen, we win as a team and we lose as a team. It's not one person's fault. And that's what we are as a church. If we will work together, and even in the failures, even when we stumble, uh, the next person is there to pick you up, then we will continue to go forward in the name of Jesus. And we'll hold one another accountable. We live together. We work together in this body of believers. We stand together. Now, I believe this moves right into chapter 2 of Philippians. He says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Is there any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? These are rhetorical questions. But what he's trying to say is, listen, there is encouragement from belonging to Christ. There is comfort in His love. There is fellowship in the Spirit of God. He's trying to reaffirm, listen, all these things that I've been going through, Paul says, I'm still going through them. But I want you to know I'm encouraged in Christ. I am comforted in Christ. I have fellowship of the Spirit. Listen, this Paul was by himself in a jail cell, and he didn't have a lot of people around him. Guess what he had? The Holy Spirit fellowshipping with him. Listen, when you're alone, when you're, you're not always going to be in a group of people, you're not always going to be surrounded by people of, of faith, and you might even be in a situation right now at your job site where you're not surrounded by faithful people. And I'm going to tell you, you said bad company corrupts good habits. Uh, when, you're, when you're surrounded by the wrong people and you're strong in your faith, you need the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. You need to rely on the Holy Spirit to get you through those days and give you, empower you not to fall in the presence of the bad company. Amen? He says, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Listen, I heard people say, well, I just don't have compassion. If you're a believer, you have compassion. Some people I've heard, well, I'm just not really loving. I just don't really love people. Listen, if you're a believer, you're a lover. Well, I just don't have faith. If you know Jesus, you have faith. Listen, oh, I'm not going to pray for patience because I just don't have any patience. Well, if you know Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God lives in you, you have patience. I want to tell you something. The power of your words is is whatever you speak, that's what, what you become. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Quit declaring those things that God says, this is who you are in me. You do have patience. You have kindness. You have compassion. You have gentleness. You do love people. When you start confessing who you are in Christ, instead of confessing the crud that you've been confessing over your own life, listen, nothing will change until this changes. Nothing will change until this changes. 
Man, you need to understand that, parents, when you hear your kids or when you hear each other, check each other. Hold each other accountable for your words. It's powerful what the enemy can do. He can twist and pervert words so quickly, take you down the wrong path. Paul's saying these things in, verses, in verse 1. He said, these should be the normal part of a Christian life. We should operate in compassion and mercy. We should operate in love. We should be kind. We shouldn't try to be anything. We are who he says we are. And then we work together with one mind and one purpose. It's important, guys, to know that if we don't really know what our purpose is, it's going to be hard for us to stand together. And he reiterates that very thing he said in verse 27 in verse 2. He said, then, he said, I like this. He said, then make me truly happy. <laughs> Paul just said, and would y'all just, I've had a tough time with this church at Corinth. <laughs> would, y'all want, would y'all want to make me happy? Because they weren't doing some things that I would, I would really love for you to do. He's just being honest here. And he says, make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Just get along. And I've told you this before. I'll tell you to you again. My brother and I were a year and a half apart. He's a little bit older than me. And we fought like cats and dogs when we were kids. When the neighbors saw us coming, they, they would shut their blinds. Now, if it's just my mother and dad, they're going to come play dominoes. They were good. But if Roger and Harold were there with them, they were pretending they weren't home. And I'm told that that's the truth. I'm not making that up. They was, oh, there comes those Watkins boys. <laughs> and they are terrors, you know. <laughs> and we did. We fought all the time. Any, any brothers here, that siblings that have that same problem? <laughs> and so every Christmas, you know, the, you know the drill. Mom, why do you want us to get you for Christmas? Well, if you and Roger just wouldn't fight. <laughs> That's all I want for Christmas, if y'all just get along. We're going to have family coming in. Just don't fight when all the family comes. How about a box of candy, Mom? (laughs) I'll make you a card. That's a hard thing to ask of two young boys that like to fight and wrestle, you know. I think Paul was saying something similar. that I I just want you to get along. I just want you to love one, one another. I want you to work together with one mind and one purpose. If you know what you're working for, guys, you can stand together. If you're agreeing with one another and where you're heading, you can work together. But when you're, one of you has this idea and it's contrary and contradicts the other person's, that's where the rub comes. And that's when you, you have to go back to the Word of God and say, is this, what God would, is this God's intention for us? Because the enemy works in subtle ways to divide. He does. He really does. How we achieve and practice this unity is really important. And Paul addresses that, and that's where we'll, we'll go now. Verse 3. Very simple instructions that he gives. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. You know what the number one sin probably in all the world is? Selfishness. I want my way. I want my will to be done. I don't want anybody else's device. 
I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. That's pretty much goes against everything the Bible teaches. Selfishness. He says, don't be selfish. Then he says, don't be conceited or don't try to impress other people. Anybody in here know people that are conceited? You know, you know a good test on, on how, how do you know somebody's conceited? You say, hello, how are you? And that's about the last word you get in. They begin to tell you all about themselves and all of their accomplishments. And, and you, you even bring up any subject and they'll take you to them. And they're so full of themselves. And that, that's, that's something the enemy puts there. That's not, that's not of God. Because all you're doing is trying to elevate yourself. You're trying to exalt yourself. And God says, if you want to get in his grace, you need to humble yourself. If you want to find his grace, you have to humble yourself. And so he says in here, he says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress other people. Listen, we just have to be real. That's what I love about this church. That people are just real. I'll ask people, how are you doing today? Well, not very good, Pastor. <laughs> well, I used to go to church where everybody was good. I don't care if they were just in a head-on collision. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, God, God bless. What's that blood running down here? Oh, I don't have a little blood. No problem. God's good, you know. Just be real. Be honest. Having a bad day? Let somebody pray for you. If you had a pain, ask somebody to pray. That's what, bad, that's what family does. We reach out to one another. We don't promote ourselves. And then the second part of verse 3 is even more telling. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. I'll tell you, in corporate America, that's not what it's taught. If you're going to get up the corporate ladder, you're not thinking of other people. You want to climb on top, you might step on them. You might use them to step on to get to the top. That might be their usefulness, but that's not God's plan. We're supposed to elevate other people. It says be humble. Think less of yourself. Don't think so much of yourself. Don't put yourself on such a high platform. Think of others as better than yourselves. Here's a statement. I would, you might even want to write this down. This is so cool. I forgot. I don't even know who wrote it. He says this. If I consider you above me and you consider me above you, if I consider me you above me, and you consider me above you, okay, got that part? Then a marvelous thing happens. We have a community where everyone is looked up to and no one is looked down upon. That's a pretty good formula. If everybody you meet, you look up to them, you elevate them, you edify them, and they in return do the same thing to you. Listen, we have no problems. We, we really don't. We're, we're, we're going we're gonna to be on a good path there. And I'm not saying that's Always going to be possible. I mean, it is possible, but sometimes our flesh gets in the way. But if we're always about lifting the other person up, and they're always about lifting us up, that's kind of a perfect society, right? Perfect world. We don't live in one of those. But you get the mindset as Christians, if we're elevating other people, and then they're also doing the same thing, we've got a great community there. I think that would be a beautiful thing to be in the church. I think that's what he's talking about here. Don't look out only for your own interest. But take an interest in others. Verse 4. Here he, he completes the thought for all the things he's talking about here. He completes this thought. To put away your selfishness. Put away your own ambitions. Your own conceit. 
trying to impress other people and start thinking of other people as better than yourselves. He didn't say that we shouldn't have ambition, but he says in the New King James, don't have selfish ambition. In other words, your life shouldn't be all about you. You should have ambition. You should not want to get up. You should want to go to work. You should want to do certain things in your life. You should want to raise your family and give them the best. All those things are great ambitions. But when it's all about you and about no, and it's not about anybody else and it's not about the kingdom, then that's selfish ambition. And that will get you in trouble in the kingdom. In our staff, we have a little saying, uh, because we always want to have each other's backs. So if I've got your back, man, you got my back? Because a lot of people will want to come and talk, oh, did you hear about old Joe Grimes? Stop. Stop. I got his back. Let me tell you, that's not, that's not going to fly with me. And if they come to Joe and they're, I want to tell you some things about Pastor Harold, and they say, stop. Nuh-uh. You, you know what's so, so awesome in, the, in this church? I've noticed this. Basil, you'll, you'll know what, exactly what I'm talking about. And this is not to offend anybody, but this is how the enemy works and how God works in, in, in to resolve some things. Some people, they'll go to me. They'll want counseling. And if they don't get what they want from me, if they don't get me to agree with them in their, in their issues that they're not being obedient to Christ, they'll go to Basil. And if and they'll go to Basil, he'll tell them the same thing. And if they, if they, he, they don't get what they want from Basil, they'll go to go, Jeff, they'll go to, Je- they'll go to Joe, they'll go to Wes, they'll, they'll go to Cam, and they're going to find, they'll want to find somebody that will agree with them in their negativity and in their pain and in all the stuff that they're doing that's disobeying, disobeying Christ. And they'll find the same answers from us. We're going to give them the truth. Listen, if you talk, if you speak the word and you speak truth and you speak it in love, we will always agree. And we'll have each other's backs in that way. But that's how it should be in the whole body of Christ. When, when a brother comes to you or a sister comes to you, well, I'm doing this, this, and this, and I know this is wrong, but I just really, is it okay? And you'll, you should have, the, have the, the, the wherewithal within you to say, no, it's not okay. We need to hold each other accountable. In the body of Christ, listen, that's the only way we're going to grow. That's the only way we're going to walk in freedom. It's when we hold each other accountable through, with the truth. And the truth sets us free. So we should have each other's backs. We should consider other, other people and all their needs. And they're important. We should elevate other people and walk in humility. When we do all those things, guys, we're going to stand together. We're going to stand strong. We're going to move forward like a mighty army. Remember the old hymn? Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. There's, this, there's a line in there that I was reading out of the, I looked up the, the lyrics to it because we used to sing that song all the time. It says, like a mighty army moves the church of God. Brothers, we are treading where the saints have trod. They laid, a, they laid the groundwork for us. Paul laid groundwork for us. Jesus laid groundwork for us. We're treading where the saints have trod. We are not divided. All one body, we. One in hope and doctrine or teaching. One in charity. That means love. Onward, Christian soldiers marching us to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. Are y'all ready to stand together in unity? Are you ready to stand with the armor of God, the whole armor of God on? Are you ready to use the weapons that are of our warfare that are mighty in God? They're not carnal, but they're mighty in God are pulling down strongholds. I'm believing God is calling us in this day and in this age 
what we're facing, what's coming, we're going to need to know how to stand. And the best way to stand is on your knees in prayer, heavily protected by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand this morning? Let's have the ministry team up here this morning. Now, many of you came to pray this morning and, and bowed at the altar. And that's beautiful. But maybe you need uh, intercessory prayer. Would you bow your heads, please? Father, you've called us to stand together. Focused upon you. And Father, maybe there are people here this morning that they feel alone. They feel like they've been walking this walk along this battle, fighting by themselves. They've been separated from the body for whatever reason. Maybe made judgments against church. Today they would just say, I need you, Lord. I need, I need to connect. I need to reconnect with the body. The Word of God says in Hebrews, to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together with God's people. He goes on to say that we're here to spur one another on to good, good deeds. We're here to, to encourage one another. So this morning, I want to ask you, first and foremost, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if that was you that even Mary Lou had the thought of earlier, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to step out and come and let one of these uh, intercessors take you in the uh, ministry team to take you into the other room. They'll pray with you and explain some things to you if you have questions. But the, the, the other invitation is for if you have... Uh, and if you separated from the flock and you really feel like God's called you to be a part of a, of a, a battalion or an army, I want you to know he wants, us to walk, he wants us to walk this out together, to stand together, to work together, to fight together, to pray together, to laugh together, to cry together. He wants you to be a part. He wants you to be connected. Because there is strength in numbers. There is strength in unity when we have the same purpose to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. So if that's you this morning, you the, today Jesus, the Holy Spirit would tell you, this is the place I want you to connect with, that you would come say, I want to I be a part of this body, this battalion. I want to connect. I'm tired of being a loose cannon. I'm tired of being out on my own. I want to be a part of something that God's deemed is necessary. And it's a place that you can connect. Just step out and come right now. That you just step out and come. And the final invitation is for just anybody that needs prayer today. If you need prayer for, for healing, we pray for the we pray for people to be healed all the time. We see God heal people all the time. Maybe today you would, you have some kind of pain in your body or a bad diagnosis or whatever it is. We'll be talking about this standing in his name in a couple of weeks. It's gonna be about healing. But he would want you to stand today and and we're going to declare over you healing in Jesus' name and, and speak the word of God over you and life over you today in Jesus' name. If that's you, you need prayer for anything. 
you need prayer for a marriage, relationship issues, a sin issue. Maybe there's something that you're still going around the same mountain over and over and over, and God wants to, He wants to, the, the madness to stop, the insanity to stop, and you begin to walk in your truth. I invite you to come for prayer this morning. Anybody else? Anybody else? I want to pray for you today. There's no condemnation, no guilt when you come for prayer. It's a beautiful thing that we get to pray with you, speak life over you. Anybody else? Father, I thank you today for your presence. You don't mind just grabbing hands of the person next to you? Let's just show a sign of, of togetherness today. Even across the aisles, just grab a hand. Just symbolic of that we stand together. That we stand together. Come on, grab hands all the way across. You're so deep in prayer, you didn't even hear me. Anybody remember that old Rust Tap song? We'll stand together. Yeah, you're my brother, you're my sister, so take me by the hand. Together we will work until he comes. Together we'll stand. So, Father, I thank you today for people of, of, of faith that will stand together and that we will see the kingdom advance, even in the midst of persecution. That we will not give up, we will not cower down. We will not be intimidated by the tricks of the enemy, but we will stand strong in the Word of God. We will stand strong by the Holy Spirit. We will stand strong together, and we will be like a mighty army. The church of God will move forward like a mighty army, not because we're mighty, but because you're mighty in us and through us. And so today, we give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Y'all thank y'all for being